action sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two ways to do that. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you can tweet to us, sfdiocese, hashtag ignition. sfdiocese, hashtag ignition. Now, um, my my guest co-host this week is Emily Hoffman. Hi, Emily. Hi, Chris. Thanks Hi. for inviting me back. So now, Emily, you have to understand that last week's guest co-host, Kevin Miles, was very quick at spelling diocese because he did it for 20-some years. Oh, no. So it was great because the ha- Twitter... I can't compete with that. I know, right? Kevin is like, I was like, I said, SF Diocese, Kevin, how do you spell that? And he was a D-I-O-C-E-S-E. I'm like, wow. he like, Nailed it. He always sang it. <laughs> so anyway, anyway... I don't expect that from you yet, but you know, 20 more years and I'm going to have... Okay, I'll start practicing my spelling of diocese song. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you maybe who've never heard this into Ignition at all before, um, again, my name is Chris Bergwald and I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese. And I have a regular guest, no, no, a regular co-host, Father Andrew Dickinson, but uh, Father is unable to be with us this week, so I have... My one of my illustrious guest co-hosts, Miss Emily Hoffman. So, what, who are you, Emily, and what do you do? I work for Chris. <laughs> yeah, for... <laughs> I work in Not the office. The summer. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Crazy life. Um, I work in the office of discipleship and evangelization, um, both with Chris Bergwald and then Eric Gallagher, our other coworker. Um, and and the three of us are really setting out to create disciples in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. I feel like that's our underlying mission, but much of what I do revolves around youth ministry. So I um, just got back from our very first D camp of the summer. If some of you are familiar probably with with discipleship camp, we had about 100 youth from across the diocese. We'll welcome 110 more next week. And then the week after that, another 110. So, And actually, in in the mysterious nature of radio, all this will be done by the time you're hearing that. Oh, well, <laughs> pray that all camps went well. well. Because Thank grace you. works that way. Amen. You can say the prayer yes. works retroactively. Yes. So. yes, absolutely. Thank you for your prayers for having made the camps successful. Yes. Thank you for your prayers. Yes. <laughs> so, um, Emily, you a few weeks ago, back in an episode that, that we recorded and aired in May, uh, we talked about the Myers-Briggs uh, personality types. It was so fun. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to go back. Chris and I had a blast yeah, recording we, we, that one. <laughs> we really did. We had just gone through a training on these types and so on. And then when we were talking about, okay, so what do we record for, for this episode? Um, I know th- this whole personality and temperaments, something that you're really passionate about. Yeah, I I studied psychology a little bit um, in my um, undergraduate education, and I found it so fascinating. It was such an insight into my world, into who I was, but then also um, who the people were that surrounded me, my family, my friends, understanding what motivated them, understanding why they think the way that they do and why people are just different. You know, sometimes you just look at somebody and you're like, I just don't get how you operate. It's because they're just, they're different personality types. They're different um, and temperaments, what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I do that with you all the time. I know, you just don't understand me. (laughs) (laughs) I 
tell him that all the time. Chris, you just don't get me. <laughs> Actually, Chris and I are pretty, I think we're pretty yeah, similar. We are, yeah, we are. We, we don't understand other people in the office. Yeah, no kidding. N- those who should not be named. We won't name names. <laughs> He knows. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and and sort of one of the themes that we had in in the last episode on the Myers Briggs types was the importance of knowing yourself. And we're gonna, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that right now because we're going to come back to that in yes. this episode. But we're continuing that theme in, in this. So, talk just by way of introduction a little bit. You know, before we get into what the temperaments are like what's the distinction going from myers-briggs personality types to temperaments sure um first of all temperaments have been around a really long time they it was actually like in ancient greece when people first started talking about the temperaments and back then they um they named the temperaments after like different um parts of the body essentially which is kind of fascinating we won't get into that but um there's some history on it on probably wikipedia or something if you want to find out more (laughs) i always trust Um, wikipedia (laughs) but they say that temperaments are really um are, are kind of the the clay that the sculpture or that the sculptor uses um, so I, I like to think of temperaments as the the kind of bottom baseline of what makes us up mm-hmm. as created beings. Um, and there there's four of them that have been identified. And so these four different types of clay that from that, the sculptor, namely our creator, really uses that. And from there, it's when we get into the different Myers-Briggs personality types and that kind of thing. And typically, different types of clay are going to make different types of sculptures. So you'll start to see that certain temperaments um, frequently have same... Did I say that right? So if me and my friend have the same temperament, we're likely going to be pretty similar Myers-Briggs personality types. Gotcha. Okay. Our sculptor is gonna, our sculpture is going to be pretty similar. So maybe to, to use a different analogy, um, like a tree and where you have the branches and you have the thicker branches, but then the smaller branches going out and you have all the leaves, but there's one trunk that produces all these mm-hmm. m- you know, thousands or more of, of, of leaves. So it's something like within the 16, My- underneath the 16 Myers-Briggs personality types, you've got the four more, in a sense, fundamental mm-hmm. temperaments. Yes. Yeah, okay. that's a great way to put okay. it. Okay. It's a little bit simplified um, version of, it's, it's not getting into so much of the personality type, but rather um, they, they actually say temperaments are not a personality type. Okay. It's the sum of our natural preferences. Okay. Um, which is different than a personality type. Okay. So. Okay. So, um, what then? Is, so you're start, you're starting to answer that that next sort of next question, which occurs to me: What is a temperament? Where do they come from, and so on? Absolutely. So, like I said, a temperament is the sum of our natural preferences, um, and and then these preferences they shape our thoughts, our ideas our impressions and our reactions. So one of the things that we're going to do for each of the temperaments, we're going to talk about um, the ways that people react. You as a choleric react very different than me as a phlegmatic. And so we're going to get into that a little bit, the immediate reaction types or the ways that, you you know, have you ever met somebody that just seems to hold a grudge or when they're affected by something, it like really affects them deeply and it lasts for a long time. They'll be really wrestling with it for two weeks. There's a reason. They're a melancholic. Okay. That's how they re- react and respond to information. So um, the other important thing to note is that they're hardwired, their nature. This isn't nurture. Okay. Um, there's a there's a huge psychology debate, which I just think is fascinating, right. about nature versus nurture. When it comes to the temperaments, the temperaments, in as far as they've been studied thus far, and as much as we can tell, they are hardwired 
in us. So from the time of conception, these temperaments are already beginning to manifest themselves, which I think is completely fascinating um, and, and can be looked at 20 years down the road. Um, that doesn't mean that we can't grow in some of the other temperaments or grow in some of the weaknesses that are associated with mm-hmm. our temperament, but rather this is just what our, our natural preference okay. is. Does that make sense? Yep, yep, yep. Um, and again, just that, it, it, it's different than our personality. It's it's the sum of our natural preferences. It's what it's the clay that the sculptor uses. Okay, okay. So, what do we do with them? How do we use them? Great question, Chris. Thank you so much. <laughs> I just love this. I get so excited about it. So, I love thinking of temperaments as a tool. Okay. It's never um, it's it's never a box. It's never a crutch. There's a difference in saying, well, I'm this way, therefore, and I think we talked about this when we discussed the Myers-Briggs personality types as well, but just because um, Chris is an extrovert and you say, well, I, I'm an extrovert, so therefore I'm just going to talk a yeah. lot more. I'm going to dominate the conversation yeah. or because I'm an extrovert, that means that I get to um, lead the conversation, et cetera, et cetera, not let anyone else speak. No, 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 no. You have this understanding that my natural tendency is to um, ask questions, is to be the interviewer, is to speak when it's appropriate, that kind of thing. But you've grown in in the way maybe of, you know what, this other person is not as comfortable speaking out loud. So therefore, I'm going to shut my mouth and let them talk something. You don't do that, but you know what I'm talking about. So temperaments are a tool. St. Augustine said, know thyself and thy faults and thus live, which I just think is so profound, especially in the context of talking about the temperaments. Know thyself, know thy faults, and thus live. And that's to me beautiful because he's building on, so it was the ancient Greek thing going back to Socrates, mm-hmm. know thyself. That's, mm-hmm. We talked about that in the last episode, the previous episode. Um, but but Augustine, and, and of course I think Socrates and Plato would have agreed that we're, we're, fault, we're faulty. yes. Yep. Um, and so, but Augustine very clear on the understanding of our fallen human nature as a Christian, know ourself, know thyself, but also know my faults. Yes. But then it's, so this is interesting and thus live. So what do you, what do you think he meant by that? I think it gives you the freedom. I think when we fail to recognize our weaknesses, um, we live in this, this false idea of our, of ourselves and of our humanity or of our persona um, but when we know ourselves well and when we know our strengths and our weaknesses, then we can move forward and, and live life okay. and grow in those things and continue to engage and not be um, distressed. Okay. Yep. Yep. In some capacities. You know, sometimes I think when people, when we don't know our weaknesses, it's like, why am I struggling with this yeah. so much? Or yeah. why am I so heartbroken about X, Y, Z? Yep. It's because we're we're not we're failing to recognize that this is a weakness in myself that I need to overcome. Yep. So I think it gives the freedom really okay. to live. Okay. Um. And they never tell the, the the thing about the temperaments is they never tell the whole story. It's okay. not we're not putting you in a box. We're not saying this is who you are always and in every circumstance. Um. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a, in a second. Um. But just that the temperaments as a tool in understanding why we act the way that we do and why the people around us act the way that they do. Okay. So it, helping us to understand ourselves and others as well. Big time. Then. Okay. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So what's the connection then in the spiritual life? The thing that I love about the temperaments that Myers-Briggs, um, I haven't seen any research on this yet, but um, 
actually where I where I've gotten a lot of my information on the temperaments is from a book called The Temperament That God Gave You. Mm. And then there's a sub um, book or whatever. So what am I looking for? Take part two of the book. Sequel. A sequel. There we go. <laughs> that's such a hard word right now. Um, there's a sequel actually that's entitled The Temperament God Gave Your Spouse. Oh. Which. The, and there's a, a is there another prequel, one? <gasps> a, a sequel to the sequel. Oh my gosh, the temperament the God gave your child, children. Oh, so good. Actually, yes, yes. Yeah, I think yeah, I need yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so, sorry. Connection to the spiritual life, though. The thing that we're looking at is um, the the temperament that God gave you. It's this understanding of of who we are created to be. Um, and it's going to give you insights into the ways that we understand our relationship with the Lord. Okay. So sure. a choleric's yeah, that, understanding yeah. of prayer, or the, even the way that a choleric prays, is going to be different than the way that a melancholic prays. And unfortunately, I feel like I haven't um, researched enough or read enough to really have a, a good understanding of this yet. But um, I think it's a major insight. We're going to look at some different saints that actually were able to name their own okay. governments. Great. And so then I know that part of this is is something you're passionate about with these is how they apply to those who are involved in any way for professionally, volunteer, whatever, in ministry. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. say something about that. Yeah. I think, um, you know, if you work in ministry, it's it's majorly informative of, you know, if you're working with youth or adults, why is this adult not responding in the way that I want them to respond? The reality is that what motivates you is going to be different than what motivates me, depending right. upon my temperament. Sure. If you're motivated by an idea, a goal, uh, an objective, um, I'm going to speak to you in a different way than if I'm speaking to somebody that's motivated by people. I'm very motivated by people. So when somebody says, okay, we want to raise this amount of money to put in the bank account. I'm like, well, that's great, but I'm not super excited about it. We want to raise this amount of money for so-and-so so that they can get this treatment that they need and help their family, whatever, blah, blah, blah. All right, let's do it. Right. I'm excited about okay. that. Okay. So okay. understanding how what motivates the people around you. Okay, so really working in general, but in a particular way, if, if you're involved in ministry as a discipleship leader, whatever it might be, yeah. understanding those aspects of the, the temperaments of the people you're working with is yeah. helpful that way. Yep, Okay. exactly. Okay, so uh, as we get into what they are, like what are the factors involved with the temperaments? Um, one of them is introverted or extroverted. Okay. Um, are you energized by time with people or is it a party? Is it is it draining for you? You yep. still enjoy it, but at the end of it, you're like, wow, I'm so exhausted. Right. Introvert or extrovert. Principles or people, what motivates you? Okay. Are you motivated, like I said, by an objective, an idea, or are you motivated by a person and wanting to please that person? Okay. Um, and then the other one is, is do, you, do you think first or do you act first? Um, what is your reaction? like um those are kind of the main things that we're going to be looking at that identify and characterize the okay. four different temperaments. so these are sort of the three three questions that sort of get at which of the four your answers you fall into. Of, yep. the, of the four temperaments there are okay yep. so um i don't know if we've actually named we've referred to some of them so what are the four temperaments then okay number one these the words are a little bit tricky, yeah, so yeah. we'll get never, you will get used to them. That's where I, I was telling Emily before. Um, like I, I'm, I'm much more familiar with Myers Briggs than the four temperaments, and I'm like, okay, I think one is this, and then that, and <laughs> yeah. I'm done. So yeah. 
Okay, so we'll we'll kind of get used to them as we go. But the first one, choleric, melancholic, like melancholy, but melancholic, mm-hmm. sanguine, mm-hmm. and phlegmatic. Okay, so sanguine, melancholic, we like we use that as an adjective or melancholy, you know, yep. sort of, um, and sanguine I think is sometimes used, but choleric and phlegmatic in particular, I think. Other yep. than the four personnel, other than, sorry, the four temperaments, they're not as commonly used. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Isn't, what's the word collar mean though, if you have collar? Isn't that a... Oh, a, a choleric child. You, you, kids that are choleric, like they're like, wow, oh, like they they're cry always a lot. crying. Okay, yeah. no, nope, that's not what that I'm fit? thinking of. Does no. that fit the... Oh, see, no, not right. really. All right. Don't worry, cholerics, you're not whining okay. children. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, all right, so these are the three questions. Any other distinctions getting into that? One more thing before we jump into each one of them. Yep. They, when it comes to temperaments, you often have a primary and a second secondary okay. temperament. Okay, um, the, the idea or the goal is that you would actually be a little bit of all four. Okay. That you would take the strengths of each of the different temperaments and foster them in your life. Okay, so hold on now, um, no, and we didn't. But my clay is my clay. But you're not in a box. Yeah, but it's, my clay is my that's, clay. <laughs> that's, so your clay is your clay because it's your preference? Absolutely. You have a preference towards the choleric okay. um, s- set of things. But there's actually really good things about a phlegmatic, that the gifts that they have that you could practice in your life. Okay. So the idea is that you want to be balanced. In fact, um, in the, in the book, a temperament, the temperament God gave you, they actually said a person is happier when their temperament is not a pure one. Okay. You want to foster the good of each of the temperaments right. in your life. Okay. You're not going to be like naturally born with all of them and say, okay, here's the four temperaments in perfectly quadratic spheres in your brain. That's See, not that, how it that's works. That's where I'm struggling still, still a little bit with that because you said like it's nature, it's hardwired. So mm-hmm. if it's hardwired, it's it's the way I am. It's the way you were born, absolutely. But just because my preference is to okay. be anti-people or whatever doesn't yeah. mean that I can't talk to people. Okay, gotcha. I actually love people. I'm not okay. anti-people. <laughs> I know. Okay, all right. So um, primary and secondary. So Yep, and keep in mind that as we're going through them as well, um, just be... Just because not all of the characteristics apply to you or don't apply to you doesn't mean that that's not your temperament. So if we're going through the choleric and you're like, yes, 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 that all makes sense to me. That last one, mm, not so much. Doesn't mean you're not choleric. It's it's more that um, they're they're going to be pretty accurate, but there will likely be a few exceptions because you're going to have a secondary temperament. And what lacks in your primary te- temperament is going to be made up for in that secondary okay. temperament. So do you want to jump into the four? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So you said choleric was the first, I think, right? Yeah, let's start with choleric. That's not doesn't mean you're whiny and Nope, doesn't mean you're whiny. Okay, so characteristics of a choleric. For the record, I am like pretty much convinced that you're a choleric. So this is my you think my, this is my primary I think this is your primary temperament. All right. Uh maybe. I don't know. <laughs> We'll, I'm we'll, convinced. When we maybe, get to sanguine, when we get to sanguine, um, that might be your primary. Okay. I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. So characteristics of a choleric: you're extroverted. Okay. You're enthusiastic. Yep. Um, you can be intense. Yep. You have a lot of energy. You have a strong will. You're pretty decisive. You're quick thinking, and you tend to be self motivated. Okay. Um. By the way, for our listeners, as we're going through these, it's really fun to think of people in your life that fit these categories and start putting a face to the temperament, so yep. that you can start looking at what that looks like. Yep. Um, 
your motivation, you're going to be motivated by a principle. As by, opposed to? As opposed to people. Right. Okay. All right. Um, typically for the choleric. Okay. They have a goal in mind and they're going to kind of power with their way through to achieve their goal. Okay. They're going to react quickly and intensely for a long duration. So what is the time? So when a stimulus comes up in my life, when something exciting happens, when something sad happens, I'm going to quickly respond. It's, you know, I I pretty immediately show some type of reaction. Um, And it's typically going to last a long time. If if there's a death in the family, I'm going to grieve pretty immediately when I when I hear about the death. And it's going to last a while. It's going to take me a while to deal with that. Okay. Grief. Okay. Okay. Yep. So strengths of, we're going to go through these pretty quick, okay, by the way. Fine. So yep. strengths, dynamic and direct. You're confident in your decisions. You're um, eminently rational. You're hardworking. Um, cholerics tend to be awesome leaders. Okay. They're really strong leaders and they're really productive. Okay. Um, by the way, for each of these, I'm also going to go through the strengths of each of them and then the weaknesses. Yep. Um, if I like name a weakness and then you're like, that's not me. Just remember, that's not necessarily your temperament. It might be a, a secondary or something like that. Weaknesses, um, colleagues tend to be a little bit quick to judge. They can be stubborn. They can be impatient with those that are less talented than they are. Um, they can be a little bit domineering. They're prone to pride. And oftentimes they resist vulnerability. Vulnerability is not really a comfortable thing for them. Okay. So my favorite line in the entire book, uh, The Temperament God Gave You, is cholerics don't be offended that some of the greatest dictators of all time shared your temperament. Hitler, <laughs> the classic choleric, like the epitome of what a choleric okay. is. But fear not, because another great choleric is St. Paul. Okay, because as you were as you were going through this list, I'm like, okay, yeah, that does sound like, I'm, I'm curious to see about what sanguine yep. is. But I'm like, this does, I could see why you would say that you think I'm a choleric. Uh, and, and, but then when you say, you know, Hitler is a choleric. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad I have St. Paul in my corner. <laughs> yep, okay. exactly. Okay. But think about it in the sense that, um, in a very objective sense, Hitler was a great leader. He got a lot of people to follow him. Okay. All right, should we go to the next one? Yeah, let's go to the next one. All right, melancholic. They tend to be introverted. They value the ideal. They um, are given to solitude and reflection. They enjoy their alone time and their peace and quiet. Okay. Um, They're motivated also by principles similar to the choleric. And their reaction tends to be slow and increasingly intense for a long period of time. Okay. So when something exciting happens, they, oh, wow, okay. Rather than, oh my gosh, that's the best thing yeah. that's ever happened. A yeah. caller is going to be like in your face excited about it. And then it's going gonna, it's gonna to slowly increase for a long time. So that excitement that they feel is going to grow. They're going to be talking about it for like three more months gotcha. about how great that was, okay. et cetera. Strengths, they're consistent. They're faithful. They're attentive to detail. Um, I'm super not melancholic, <laughs> by the way. They're thoughtful, they're pious, they're compassionate, and they tend to be really organized. All right. Um, their weaknesses, they they long for perfection. And because of that longing for perfection, they can actually struggle with um, a lack of confidence because of their failures. When things don't meet up to the perfection that they want, they get frustrated. Gotcha. Um, they kind of sweat the small stuff. They're prone to pessimism. They can be a little bit self-absorbed, looking looking inter- internally. Yep. And they can be discouraged. I thought this was really interesting. They can be discouraged by physical ailments much more. So if you ever know somebody that's like always complaining about a headache or like backache, mm, whatever, because they're so 
internally focused and and aware of what's happening within them, they're more aware of these physical ailments. Gotcha. Thought that was really interesting. Saint Therese. Yep. A of, great example. Of the okay, the little flower. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great example. So we have like three minutes left. Oh we my have gosh. Two to go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Melancholic. We need like a part two know, for the right? temperaments. I know. Can we do mm. that? You know what? Um, why don't we? Yes. Uh, can we? St- st- what we'll do is I don't know if we can come back next week necessarily, but we will because I don't want to make you rush through. We have two more to get through, and we just started. Oh, getting and they're into so these. good. They're so good. So melancholic and sanguine. We are going to hold off on for sanguine no- and phlegmatic. We're oh, whatever. Off on. Yeah, we're still on melancholic. <laughs> See, I, sanguine and phlegmatic. We'll hold off for another episode. Okay. So Deal. We've, got, we've got about um, two and a half minutes left. The two that we've talked about thus far. Anything else that you think would be helpful um, to to be aware of with each of them? Yes, I do, actually. So one of the, the other things that I think is really beautiful about the temperaments, um, particularly when you get into like the temperament that God gave your spouse or the temperament that God gave your children, is that there's actually some concrete ways that you can love the certain temperaments. So, for example, you know, Chris, your wife, Jermaine, these are maybe some things that Jermaine could do to love you better, you as a choleric. Okay. Um, number one, expressing ex- excuse me, expressing appreciation for your achievements. Okay. Um, you might actually appear kind of indifferent about it because yep. a choleric is like not going to get too worked up about stuff like that. Like they're not going to be, um, like oh yes, it's all about me. But they actually really you really appreciate it. Gotcha. Um, showing you loyalty, you're going to be super honored by that. Um, challenging her challenging you to grow in empathy yep. is another way and and you might not be choleric by the way so i'm sorry that i keep on using you no i might be um challenging you to grow in empathy and then encouraging them to find time for relaxation because cholerics can can, can kind of be workhorses they're okay. going to go 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 yep. and so in order to love the choleric people in your life give them time to rest Okay. Um, things like, hey, that idea is great. Um, let's go for a walk. I think that's a great plan, but let's make sure that it's the right one before we start. Let's hear everyone's ideas. Those are all ways that you can draw a choleric out of themselves. Gotcha. Okay. Melancholic. A great way to love the melancholic is provide opportunities for them to rest, to reflect. Um, don't procrastinate the big things. Keep them healthy. Again, they kind of, they, they're introverted and they look at themselves a little bit. So they feel those physical ailments deeply. Um, watch for the melancholic release, which is basically when a melancholic can't handle it anymore (laughs) and they explode and they, you know, through tears or whatever it might be that often happens with melancholic people. Um, so beware of that, watch for it and continue to offer them times of self-reflection so that they're resting. So what we'll do, I think there's more to say. So we'll come back in another episode and we'll talk about the other two and Tie these all together with a big bow. Okay, that sounds great. Sounds great. So that'll wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet us at sfdiocese. Use the hashtag Ignition with any thoughts, questions, or topics for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen. 
or online at lamradio.com.